Welcome to the NABC Guardians of the Game podcast, where we go inside what makes a coach a coach. I was very fortunate to be with Coach Katie. He could get so much out of the guys. Uh, He was tough on them, but uh, they loved him because he cared about them. The Guardians of the Game podcast is a production of the National Association of Basketball Coaches and IMG and is brought to you by Wilson Sporting Goods. And now your host, Coach Dave Odom. Welcome to the second season and the second podcast of the NABC Guardians of the Game. Uh, Today's guest is the great head coach of the Kansas State Wildcats, Bruce Weber. Bruce, welcome to uh, the podcast. Morning, Dave. Thank you. Listen, uh, let me catch our our listeners up on Bruce Weber, who he is, a little bit. Man, what a what a resume you've got. I mean, you've you're going into this season, which is I think your 20th year as a head coach. Uh, you've won 438 games presently, 235 uh, losses. Uh, you've been at stops like Purdue, uh, Southern Illinois, Illinois. Now Kansas State, you did some graduate uh, assistantship uh, a little bit earlier on. You've won multiple championships at each of those stops, Um, you know, topped by certainly the 2005 uh, season when you went to the Final Four with the Illini, uh, just one step away from the national championship there. But I got a bone to pick with you, Bruce. I mean, you (laughs) knocked my son out last year. I mean, come on, UMBC. Uh, it was a miracle season for them, and you guys just wouldn't let it go any further. Uh, it was uh, it was a tough game, actually, and and he should be so proud of his team and to do what he did uh, to beat you know the number one seed first time as a as a sixteen, and uh, you know, and then you know to come back and play against us, they had toughness, they had guard play. Uh, we had to play our butts off to even find a way to win. So, unbelievable season for them, and you should be proud. I know you were there cheering. Well, I was. Um, I was cheering as hard as I could internally, and I, I would have to tell you, and, of course, uh, you got kids, so you know kind of how that is, but um, I've been in a lot of tight situations uh, from a basketball coaching standpoint, uh, but none like that. I mean, you know, you sit there and watch and – there's very little you can do except close your eyes and just hope that the next shot goes in. Uh, and, and sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Or, you know, you're sitting there and, and uh, things are not going well. And, you know, I'm, I'm saying in my, in my own mind, change defenses, something, you know. <laughs> and, uh, again, there's not much you can do. It's just uh, whether you make shots or not. But uh, you had a great run. Your team uh, certainly deserved to win that basketball game. And, and to move on and, and uh, go forward. And you were just, you know, another shot or two short of the Final Four again. So congratulations uh, to you and your team from last year. Thank you. Yeah, and, you know, you talk about making shots. Your uh, UMBC sure did make a bunch of shots against, against Virginia. I know Tony Bennett, that's been hard for him to deal with uh, all summer. I had a chance to talk with him, but we – you know, the one thing we did was we defended and uh, and against UMBC, against Kentucky, against Creighton. Our kids really stepped up, and, you know, we were missing our, probably our best player, Dean Wade, last year. He's the preseason player of the year in, in the Big 12, and, and our guys uh, dealt with that adversity, and, and I, I challenged them. I said, be the best defensive team in the tournament, 
and we would have a chance to win. And if you look at the numbers, uh, we actually were the best defensive team in the tournament, and, and, and including the game against UMBC where, you know, it was just kind of a gut check. Uh, their guys played so hard, and there were those guards put straight pressure on and never let you do anything. And uh, you know, it, it was it was a hard fought win, that's for sure. Well, you know, speaking of uh, last year's team, you did finish one game short of the Final Four. How has that experience carried over and motivated perhaps this year's team? Well, I, you know, I even said the year before. Uh, we we kind of we had some issues in our our program a few years ago, and and we kind of let some go guys go and started over with this this group of their seniors now, but they were freshmen, and and then two years ago we were able to get into the NCAA tournament. We were in that last four in or whatever, but it, we were just happy to be in there. And we ended up beating Wake Forest, one year old team, and uh, they Danny Manning had a good group that year, and and we ended up we've moved on to Sacramento and played Cincinnati, but that experience is, is so valuable. You know, they got a taste of it. And, and once you get that taste of it, you want more. And it came back, they came back and worked very hard. We made a lot of progress. 125 last year, even with injuries. And then, you know, when we got into the tournament, uh, you know, I always tell them anything can happen. If you, if you got your mindset right, and and you're playing for the team a lot. I've been through it. A lot of things can happen, and and we had the good fortune of doing that. And you know now does it motivate our guys even more? And that's what you know we'll we'll see this season. We we got everybody back. Uh, uh, right now we're healthy. I hope that stays the case. And uh, you know the big thing though is we got we have to play as a team. We got to share the basketball and and continue to do the things we do well in that, including playing good defense. Well, Bruce, you know, there are a lot of ways to coach, a lot, you know, a lot of uh, philosophies that, uh, you know, coaches around the country embrace. One of, the, one of them is this one-and-done deal. And I've never thought of Bruce Weber as being one of the coaches that uh, leans that heavily on the one-and-done uh, proposition. Um, so my question to you is, do you believe that, experience that is two or three years uh players that you know players that have been in your program for two or three years and have gained the experience of playing in a very very uh, good uh, uh conference uh the big big 12 is just terrific conference i mean it really is does the experience uh that that you gain from year to year does that play into that given the fact that you're not uh, you're not you're not looking at a lot of one and done type players. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt, Dave. But the uh, you know just look at the Final Four teams last year. They, they they all had experience. They all had older guys that had been through the wars, and 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 that's why they were successful. And, and you know, including Villanova, Jason Brunson was Jalen Brunson was uh, uh, the player of the year in the nation, and you know, an experienced guy that had played a bunch a bunch of basketball and. It, getting drafted and and you know they had experienced guys kansas had experienced guys uh michigan Loyola, all of them had experienced guys so that i think it makes a difference and i really think it makes a difference for developing into an nba player i i had the good fortune guys like you know darren williams and and you know coach glenn robinson at uh at, at purdue and and they left early but they they left when they were ready. I, I, you know, and that, that experience, not only the basketball part, 
but you know, going to college and maturing and and growing up, uh, it's it's so valuable once they get to the NBA. And I, the thing I talk about all the time, it's one thing to get to the NBA, and that's it's hard enough. It's what one percent of college seniors do that, but it's how do you can you stay and and can you stay in the league? And that's you know that's what it really comes down to. You know this. You know, if you want a long career, and 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 you got to be ready for that, and it's not easy in that maturity and work ethic and learning to prepare and and learning concepts. Um, I really believe that all comes from, you know, being part of a college basketball team. Uh, and and even the one year, I don't except really love one year guys, but I think even one year helps them you know, in, in their preparation for college. And I think NBA coaches would tell you that. Bruce, I, I was looking at your resume and, and you know, your history uh, as a young coach and some of the people that uh, – some of the coaches that might have influenced you. you. You're at one of the great universities in the country, Kansas State. Um, and, you know, if you go back several decades, one of the great coaches in America at that time was Tex Winters. Tell us about – his legacy and what his legacy means to even you today, several coaches removed from him. Well, I don't think people realize uh, that a lot of people don't realize, you know, they know they hear Tex winner. They think of Phil Jackson. They think of Bulls. They think of the Lakers, but he was part of four uh, final fours here at, at Kansas state. He was two as an assistant and two as a head coach. Uh, there was a great coach, and you you know the name of Jack Gardner. Jack was here, and he was assistant. Uh, Tex was his assistant. They went to the Final Four. Jack ended up leaving and going to Utah, and Tex became the head coach, and uh, you know took Kansas State to two Final Fours, and you know and 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 then Tex Tex moved on. He hit I think to Washington, and he ended up at Northwestern, Long Beach, and then went into the NBA and had you know part of. I, I think it's either nine or 11 NBA championships as an assistant. Um, and, and, you know, my, I guess my tree, uh, my upbringing of, of coaching kind of tied into that because my, my mentor, my boss, the person I was with uh, for 19 years, Gene Katie, Gene coach Katie played here at Kansas state, not basketball, but he played football. He was all big seven at that time. He ran track and played baseball, but he wanted to play, uh, wanted to play basketball. And, uh, you know, they, that was when they were making the final four runs. They had Bob Boozer and really good player, Jack Parr, uh, and, and coach Katie wasn't good enough, but he became very close to Tex winner. And, uh, you know, when coach Katie's knee blew out and when he was in the playing for the Steelers, he came back to Manhattan and said, I need a job to coach winner. Coach Winter got him a high school coaching job in Beloit, Kansas. And, uh, you know, from there he went to Hutt, to Arkansas with Eddie Sutton, and, and then obviously Western Kentucky in the long well, 25 years or so at Purdue. So uh, so it, it, there's some great tradition here. Uh, you also have Ron Kruger uh, that coached here at Kansas State. You have uh, Cotton Fitzsimmons was here, and then the, the great Jack Hartman. Uh, was here for uh, 18 years as a coach and had an unbelievable run. So uh, very proud of uh, the, to be part of a, a really strong basketball coaching tradition here at, at Kansas State. Well, uh, you know, you, 
you, you talk about uh, Gene Cady and, you know, the great uh, years that he had at, at Purdue. And I know some of those years, uh, the two young assistants uh, on his staff were yourself and Matt Painter. I would have really enjoyed to have been a fly on the wall at some of those coaches' meetings when things weren't going well and Coach uh, Katie uh, addressing his assistants and telling them to get off their backside and let's get some players in here and let's get some toughness in here. Oh, there's no doubt about that. We, you know, along with Matt, uh, you know, we Kevin Stallings, who had the long, you know, career at Vanderbilt and ended up at Pittsburgh, Illinois State. Kevin coached that. Steve Lavin was part of our staff. So uh, Alan Alan Major was was you know was actually a manager for us and ended up becoming the head coach at North Carolina Charlotte. And so we've had some uh, pretty good people and you know part of Coach Katie's tree. Uh, but coach was tough. There's no doubt about it. Uh, you know, he, he, when we had meetings and he, the funny thing is he, you know, his, his decision, his opinion at the end always counted. But one thing I learned from him, he depended on his assistants. He always said 10 eyes are better than, than two eyes. He, he wanted uh, us to have an opinion. He wanted us to talk, uh, to help with the team and prepare and, I think it helped me become a better head coach because he allowed me to have a lot of responsibility. I, I, you know, at that time though, we only had, you know, three assistants and maybe a grad assistant, you know, now I got so many guys, I'm not sure I know what to do with, but uh, uh, it's a little different, but I, I, I was very fortunate to be with coach Katie learned about basketball, about life, about dealing. I think the best thing he, he did as a coach was, his motivation of the players and uh, he could get so much out of the guys. Uh, he was tough on them, but uh, they loved him because he cared about them. You mentioned your staff and you got a lot of them now and they all have different names and it's kind of hard to tell who's doing what, but uh, Gene Cady helped you. Matt Painter being around him helped you. I know he's younger than you, but he's doing a great job at Purdue right now. Bruce, uh, don't you believe it's important now? And I think responsibility of head coaches like yourself to look at your staff and others outside your staff uh, and, and try to help them and influence them uh, so that the game of college basketball can grow. Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt. And I've, I've my platform for years, and I've talked to the NCA, I've talked to the NABC, I've talked to the Big 12 administrators, our administrators. I don't think we help young coaches. Uh, I don't think, and we don't use the wisdom of the older coaches. And uh, there's so many rules about what they can do. When I was a grad assistant, I did everything. I recruited, I, I coached on the court. I, I did study table. I helped with, you know, whatever it might be. I, I you, you, so it helped me grow as an assistant. Now they have all these rules and, you know, our director of basketball operations, he can't coach, but he does, you know, he might do the tickets and the camps and the, the travel. And then you got another coach that does the video and the prep help with the video and preparation, but he can't be on the court and do the recruiting. So um, I, I think we have too many rules and, and we've hurt ourselves with helping uh, coaches get experience. And, you know, it's, it's one of my fears and, and I, and I am getting up there. I'm, uh, you know, as you said, 20 years of head coach, this is my, 40th year in, in division one basketball. And, 
and I love the game. It, it, it's been my life, and I wanted to move forward. And um, you know, the other, you know, we we don't allow. You know, I, I think with the rules, because your main guys have to be recruiters. You know, it would be nice to have an older coach that has wisdom. Tex Winter was was the wisdom for Phil Jackson with the Bulls and the Lakers for all those years. And he used them. He used them for the knowledge and the help, you know, the basketball part. I watched the Bulls practice and Tex, you know, he was, you know, obviously invented the triangle offense. But, you know, Tex was out there doing all the little things that helped Phil be, be successful. Um. You, you got your first head coaching job in 1998 at Southern Illinois. And then after a period of time there, you moved into uh, being a full-time assistant and then the head coach. Um, what, what was the hardest transition, most difficult transition from being assistant to being a head coach at the highest level? Well, I think the biggest thing, um, you know, one – and, you know, I just kind of talked about, especially with young guys now, is to be able to deal with everything. You got to manage people. You got to know something about tickets. You got to know something about recruiting. You got to know something about, obviously, about the game of basketball, the coaching. You know, dealing with the with the players, with the parents, with the administrators, with the alumni. There's so many tasks. Um, I always said, uh, and and you know too, you you were at the highest level. When you get to a higher level, you are more of an ambassador for the university as much as you are as a coach. And you have uh, so many responsibilities uh, of, of dealing with the alumni and promoting the program. And, uh, you know, I think you, I think Al McGuire told me when I was a young coach, he said you do your better coaching when you're an assistant. When you become the head coach, you got to do so much else better have good assistance around you and and i really believe that's true i think for myself um it was delegating delegating responsibility to get delegating authority trusting your system uh you know i think that's always hard and i i i still oversee everything but uh uh you know i you to me you've got to allow those guys freedom to grow as coaches and if you don't they're not going to be ready when they have their opportunity you know, even, uh, you know, we mentioned my son Ryan at UMBC, and they had a uh, miracle season last year. It didn't go as far as, you know, they they wanted to go, but but uh, they they went further than UMBC has been in a long time. And I, I, I know I, as I looked at him in the offseason and watched him try to juggle his professional life with his off time in the summer, if there's such a thing for a college coach, the only advice I, I gave him, uh, I said, Ryan, You've got to learn to say no to some things. Um, you just can't please everybody. Uh, everybody wants a piece of you. And, you know, the bottom line is you've got to be able to turn the page because there's another season waiting for you. And I think even that's even true at, at Kansas State and other schools like you. Yeah, there's no doubt. You, you know, we gave our guys two weeks off last spring after a nice Elite Eight run. And and now you come back and you got to focus on the next season and get them ready and uh, you know so it, it it's hard and 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 every like you said everyone wants a piece but when I went to the national championship at Illinois and, and you know one of the you know it's one of the most populated states you got Chicago I mean I could have went and did a speech or signed autographs every night of the week 
And, uh, you know, you want to take advantage of those opportunities, but at the same time, it's important to balance family. It's important to balance uh, the, your players and, and stay attached to them. And uh, otherwise, you're not going to be ready for the next season. And, and, and if your family's not happy, it, it makes it difficult for yourself, uh, you know, coming home at night. So it, it's, it's a tough job. You know, it's probably 340 days a year, 345 days a year. Um, basketball's there. My, uh, I'd laugh because my wife this morning, we, we got up early and, and she said, what are you thinking about? And I said, you know, some, she goes, no, you're thinking about basketball. And, and actually at that moment, I wasn't, but most of the time, as, as a coach, you are thinking about basketball. Big 12 is one of the great conferences in, in the country. It stretches geographically all the way from uh, West Virginia uh, down into Texas. I mean, it, it, the, the trips are, are long and hard and the weather gets tough. And, you know, you go in these crowded arenas and there's a lot of intensity. Last year, the Big 12 got seven teams in the, Atlanta, uh, in the NCAA tournament. Uh, what makes your conference so competitive? You know, uh, it, it's amazing. Not only seven in the NCAA, we had two in the NIT, and then our 10th team, Iowa State, they really, if they don't have some guys injured at the end, they're probably in the NIT also. So you could have had all 10 teams. Uh, it was the best I've ever been part of, and I, you know, I was in the Big Ten for 25 years, and I, and there were some pretty, pretty good years uh, and pretty good teams. But I, I think we have great athletes. Uh, you know, it, it, it's amazing. I, you know, the recruiting balance, obviously, the population, the East Coast, but we have the, the South is important, Texas and and Florida, and it, basketball's really grown in those states. Um, through the years, which allows us to have good players. Uh, we have unbelievable coaches. Uh, you got Hall of Famers, you know, from obviously from Bill Self to Bob Huggins uh, to Lon Kruger and, and on down the line, um, some amazing coaches. And then great tradition, as you've talked about, whether it's K-State or Kansas or Iowa State, um, you've got great tradition, great arenas and fan support. Uh, and it's We've been the best. I think it's five out of the last six years. Uh, number one RPI as a conference is uh, the Big 12 has been there. And, and last year, definitely at an all-time high. You, you've got, you know, we talk about intense rivalries in college sports. You've got Alabama and you've got Auburn football. I mean, that's got to be one of the big ones. You've got Duke and you've got North Carolina basketball. I can go on and on, uh, Southern, uh, Southern Cal and, and uh, UCLA. But maybe one of the most underrated, underappreciated rivalries in the country would be Kansas and Kansas State basketball. Do you agree? And if so, what makes that so special? Well, it, it is amazing. We are about an hour apart, or even less. And uh, you know, I, I, the word hatred is uh, is a strong word, but there's not a lot lot of love. I promise you between the two. It, uh, you know, I, I've been through Purdue and Indiana, which is, you know, amazing rivalry for my 18 years at Purdue. Um, I, and that was, you know, if you think about Gene Cady versus Bob Knight, uh, some unbelievable games and, 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 and the rivalry was so intense at that time. Uh, you know, Illinois, Iowa, uh, 
you know, Illinois, Michigan State, our team and Tom Izzo's, uh, you know, we had a pretty good rivalry going in that stretch. And But I'm, I'm telling this has got to be in the top five or three in the country. And the noise, the, the excitement of the game, uh, it, it's it's amazing. Uh, and, and, and Kansas has had the upper hand as of late, and yet our fans uh, – just come out and and they are they're going to the game uh, whether it's at their place or at our place and there's no doubt it's got to be one of the the best rivalries and excitement for games that I've been part of and I it's got to be one of the best in the country as we get close to the end of the podcast Bruce I want to bring up something that I know is is uh close to your heart and your wife's heart Megan who I know helps you with this um Kansas State, Bruce Weber, uh, and your staff, one of the biggest contributors to coaches versus cancer in the country. Why is that such an important uh, uh, event for you? And, you know, what have you done to try to build up and help uh, the fight against cancer? Well, obviously, cancer affects everybody. And, you know, it's affected me when I was a young child. I lost my grandmother. This you know, 50 years ago or more. And, and at that time, they didn't know much about cancer. And I remember we couldn't even go see her. They had her quarantined in the hospital. And, you know, they didn't know enough that, you know, were we going to catch cancer from her? But, uh, you know, to my, my wife's mother passed away, you know, by through cancer. Um, uncles, cousins, I've had, I've lost two assistant coaches and dear friends to cancer. And, so when I became a head coach, uh, you know, Megan and I both made the commitment to help out coaches versus cancer. And our association has done an unbelievable job. Uh, we're very fortunate here uh, because of Norm Stewart, who was one of the starters of coaches versus cancer. And when he was at Missouri and himself was battling cancer and they started the three-point shootout. Uh, well, we get together with Missouri. Uh, we get together with Kansas with uh, Wichita UM, UMKC, uh, Kareem Richardson, and, 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 of course, Coach Stewart. We have one of the bigger fundraisers of the year. Uh, we had it in September. Uh, we try to do some little things here on campus to continually promote it and, and raise money because uh, it – and you probably know the numbers better than me, but it's, it's millions and millions of dollars that have been raised in the 26 years of coaches versus cancer, and it it helps save lives and it affects people. Uh, you know, people always come up to me and say, "Oh, coach, how are we going to be? You know, are we going to the final four? Do we have a seven foot or whatever?" But they also say, "Thank you for being involved in coaches versus cancer because it's affected me, and you're helping it out in the research, uh, the support, uh, so many avenues that the American Cancer." Society helps with that. Uh, it, it makes a difference for a lot of people. And finally, Bruce, uh, as we get uh, near uh, the end of uh, today's podcast, th- there's a lot of conversation uh, in the country today about the landscape of college basketball. Uh, in my opinion, uh, the game is in really good shape. There are cases out there where they need to be looked at, scrutinized, and handled. But my, my opinion is that 90% of the college coaches and the universities in the country are doing it right. I mean, they understand the NCAA rules. 
and, and they abide by them, uh, the integrity of the game I think is very high. Maybe 10% of the people try to short-circuit things, but I, I think in, all in all that the um, college game is in pretty good shape. How do you feel about that? Well, I think obviously in all walks of life, whether it's business, politics, even religion, there's always some some things that are wrong, and and you know we're not we're not perfect. There's no doubt, but I I guess I'm old fashioned. I believe in the, the, the I believe in college basketball. I believe in student athletes. I believe that basketball does a lot of good, uh, you know, for the players. Obviously, to to get an education, to give them opportunities. Uh, you know, I've wit- witnessed it and and been part of it for 40 years and. Uh, had the good fortune of going back. I, I got inducted last week into Southern Illinois uh, Hall of Fame and, and to see our former guys and to see where they're at and what they've done. And, uh, you know, it just makes you feel good uh, to have that opportunity. We, we've had 23 seniors uh, since I've been at Kansas State and all 23 have graduated. Uh, they still come back. They still care about the program. They, and, and, you know, you feel good. It's fun to watch uh, Darren Williams. Or right now, I got Rodney Magruder with the Heat, or Wesley Owandu with the Magic, and and see those guys playing the NBA. But it's also, a, I know you to see guys get in the coaching field. Matt Painter, I recruited him. He was my assistant coach, and and now he's a, he's being successful. There's Link Darners at Green Bay, Conzo Martins at Missouri. These are guys that all came through our program. And there's there's a lot of good in college basketball, and and I hope I hope some of the recent stuff doesn't taint uh, people's opinion, and uh, they keep coming back cheering and and helping student athletes uh, have success in their future. Well, thanks, Bruce, for your time and also your insights this morning as we talk about college basketball. Good luck to you and your Wildcats this year, and the ever-tough Big 12, uh, and I thank our people for listening uh, to our second podcast of this year. To learn more about the NABC, just visit nabc.com.